This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth, according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. If you'll remember, we, uh, in presenting evidence about Christ, I brought some witnesses in front of us, and we looked at six different witnesses and their testimony about Jesus. We looked at God the Father and what He said, Christ Himself. We read the testimony of angels. We read the testimony of righteous men, the testimony of wicked men. And we read the testimony of devils and quite a bit of that on, uh, on Scripture, uh, incidentally, because the devils had a lot to say about Christ. They were afraid of Him. And the Bible says the devils also believe and tremble. They know He's the Son of God. They know He's the Christ. And they fear Him greatly. And so we brought in all of that evidence and testimony. I also brought in other evidence that the manner in which Jesus taught was so unique. Nobody taught like him. If you'll remember, we read how some, soul, some uh, Jewish leaders sent soldiers out one time to arrest Christ, and the soldiers came back empty-handed. And they asked him, why have you not brought him? They said, never a man spake like this man. They couldn't even arrest Jesus. They were so awestruck by the way that he taught, by the authority by which he spoke. And that was true after the Sermon on the Mount. You read that in Matthew 7. And when they heard these things, they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So there was just a difference in Christ's teaching versus anyone else. It had the ring of authority to it. And uh, he never had to quote anyone else to sanction what he was about to say. He would just say, you've heard this, but I say. And by his own authority, he would speak. And so Jesus exercised all that great authority. And it was noticeably different than the religious leaders of that day. That's further evidence of who he is. And now there's some additional evidence that I want to give you. Number one, we're going to deal with a lot of the Lord's miracles that he did while he was here on earth because they're incredible evidence. Nobody did the mighty miracles and signs that Jesus did. And uh, then I want to talk to you later in the series about some prophecy. We'll study a lot of prophecy because Christ fulfilled so much of it, hundreds of prophecies. And we won't do all of those, but we're going to do a considerable amount of them and just uh, provide more and more evidence as we go along during this series. So I hope it'll be interesting to you. I don't know how it'll be. Uh, I know you already believe Jesus is the Son of God, but we have people about us who don't. And so we have to be able to persuade them and give them evidence and bring them this knowledge and, and cause them to be able to believe the things that are vital to our salvation. Because anyone not believing in Christ will never reach the Father. So let's look now. Does anybody need a copy before we start in of our study? All right. Let's notice John 3, verse 1 and 2. When you think about the miracles that Jesus did and how they attest to who He is, the Bible says that there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto Him, Rabbi, we know that Thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that Thou doest except God be with him. So Nicodemus was certainly more honest than all the other Pharisees around him, or many of them. 
because he understood no man could do the things Jesus was doing unless God was with him. You know, the Pharisees on in Matthew 12, for example, once took a miracle that Jesus did in, in causing a man that couldn't speak and couldn't see. He opened his eyes, gave him the ability to speak. What did they do with that miracle? They said, well, he did the miracle all right, but he did it by Beelzebub, prince of the devils, and they blasphemed the Holy Ghost. They were so willing to do that rather than to credit Jesus with anything. But Nicodemus, to his credit, recognizes that no one could do what Jesus did unless God was with him. In John 9, verse 29 to 33, we have the man born blind. We'll read about him a little bit later here. The Jews told this man, We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvelous thing, that you know not from whence he is. And yet he hath opened, the eye, opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. So this blind man rebukes the Jewish leaders here. It's a marvelous thing. You can't understand this. There's never been anyone since the beginning of time who's opened the eyes of one born blind, and this man did. And if he were not of God, he couldn't do anything. In John 20, verse 30 and 31, John recorded some of the signs of Christ. John said this, Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, and he means the Gospel of John. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. These miracles are recorded so that you might believe, John said. So they're designed to produce faith. That's the purpose of them. Anybody that will honestly look at the incredible things Jesus did has got to be touched by that in some way. Or else they're just completely hardened and nothing's going to reach them. It's interesting to me when the gospel first went forward, brethren, and we may have talked about this before, but when Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, we might think that the first thing that Peter would preach to the Jews when he preached the gospel would be the death of Christ. But actually, the first thing he preached was the miracles of Christ. His miracles. And he did that again in Acts 10. I want to share these two scriptures with you. First from Acts 2 and verse 22. When Peter starts his sermon, he says this to the Jews. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did to him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Now he'll go on in the next verse. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you've crucified and slain. So he'll preach his death next, but the first thing he preached was his miracles. I never had noticed that until I was studying one day and happened to catch this that I'd never seen before, although I'd read it dozens and dozens of times, that the first thing Christ preached on that day 
was that Jesus was a man approved of God among them by his miracles, wonders, and signs. He did the same thing in Acts 10 at the house of Cornelius. When the gospel first went to us Gentiles, here's Peter again preaching to them. He says in Acts 10, 36, The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say you know, which was published throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. So before he preached the fact that Christ was slain and hung on a tree, he preached that God anointed Jesus with power, with the Holy Ghost, and he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. See how he preached the miracles first? And there's a reason for that. Before he gets into the death of Christ, he's proving that this is the death of the Son of God, and so he uses the miracles. Because that, that firmly establishes who it was that died on that cross. Not just anyone. Not a common criminal. God's only Son. And the miracles establish it. John 10, verse 32 to 38 Jesus talked about the value of all these miracles. The Bible says it was at Jerusalem, the Feast of Dedication, and it was winter. Incidentally, that Feast of Dedication you'll read about back in uh, the book of Maccabees. It was started around 164 years before Christ came to earth. And uh, it was in celebration of the rededication of their temple after it was uh, profaned by a man named Antiochus Epiphanes that was the king of Syria. Jesus kept this feast. But actually it's not part of the law of Moses. It started about 164 years before Christ. But it was at Jerusalem, the feast of dedication. It was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, how long dost thou makest a doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because you're not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you for my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou being a man, makest thyself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said, Ye are gods. If he call them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, Thou blaspheme, because 
I said, I am the Son of God. If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though you believe not, believe the works, that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. So Christ deemed these works that he did very, very great evidence as to who he was. And he said, if you're not going to believe me when I tell you I'm the Son of God, look at the miracles. Look at the works I'm doing. And then deny that I am the Son of God. You see, these, these works were powerful. They were meant to be. There's so much evidence in them. John 21, 25. John said, there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. So if the apostles had revealed everything that they could have said about Christ, and they only gave us what the Holy Spirit wanted them to reveal, then John says, I suppose that the books would be written, that would be written off of that, would be so many that fill the world. So just incredible what all Jesus did when we think about his signs and, and uh, such things as this. So we're going to look at these miracles now and this morning specifically all I've got time to do with you is take you through the ones that John recorded because John recorded many miracles that nobody else did. And uh, maybe one or two of them are repeated by another writer of the Gospels. But by and large, John's is very unique to him. And there's about seven of them. There are not very many. <clears throat> but I'm going to put a list up here of some of the things we're going to look at as we follow this series. I want you to think about what we, we hear claimed today about these people that claim to have the power of the Holy Spirit. They tell us they talk in tongues. They tell us that they get deliverance from this or that. They tell us that they have the ability to do this or that, but they're nothing compared to what you read about Jesus. Look at these miracles, folks. And I dare anyone today to try to imitate these things. Jesus turned water into wine. We'll read about that in a minute. These are the ones recorded by John. He healed a nobleman's son. He healed a man who couldn't walk. He multiplied five barley loaves, two small fishes, and fed 5,000. He walked upon the Sea of Galilee. He healed a man who was born blind. And Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Now those are incredible miracles right there. And you don't see anything like that today. Somebody wants to tell you, well, they, they said a prayer in a tongue. You know, they, they did this. Well, they know all these miracles are still in effect, yet nobody does them. But Jesus did, and he did them constantly. And John recorded these seven we just read. And then remember John said there are many other signs that Jesus did which are not written in this book. And uh, here, here they are. Here's some of those. And we'll cover these later. He healed a man covered with leprosy. Healed the servant of a Roman centurion. He healed Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. Jesus calmed the winds and the waves. Yes, he even controlled the weather, didn't he? How many times have you said, I wish I could control the weather? Jesus did. <clears throat> he cast out devils into a herd of swine. He healed a paralyzed man that was let down through a roof. 
He healed a woman with an issue of blood, raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. He healed a man who had, had a withered hand. He healed a blind and mute demonic man. He cast the devil out from the daughter of, an, of a Syrophoenician woman. He fed a multitude of 4,000, and incidentally, there were women and children there not counted. There were probably twelve to 15,000 instead of four. The 4,000 here were men only, but it was an incredible number of people. Can you imagine taking a few barley loaves and fishes, feeding twelve to 15,000 people, and gathering up more fragments than when you began? That's what he did. I'd like to see this done today. Somebody might convince me they had some power if I saw this happen. But you're not going to see this happen because they didn't have the power that Jesus has. And then uh, he cast the devil out of a boy. He sent Peter to get tax money from the mouth of a fish. Wouldn't that be nice April 15th? <clears throat> he healed two blind men at Jericho, including blind Bartimaeus. He spoke and withered a fig tree. He caused a drought of fish to be caught. They nearly sunk the boat. He caught so many. At the city of Nain, he raised a widow's son from the dead. He healed a woman who had an infirmity for 18 years. He healed a man who had dropsy. Healed 10 men who were lepers. Restored a severed ear to the servant of the high priest. Can you imagine that? Somebody puts an ear back on somebody. I might believe that they have some power about them. But nobody's going to imitate that miracle today, and we know they're not. They claim to have this power, but they never demonstrated. Jesus demonstrated all of these things that we just read there in that list. Absolutely incredible, the power that he had. Let's read John's signs now that he recorded. As I said, there are about seven of them. In John chapter 2, verse 1 to 11, he turned water into wine at a wedding feast. The third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. When they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. That's pretty good advice about Jesus. Whatever he says, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they fill them up to the brim. He saith unto them, Draw out now, and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus and Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. That was the purpose of the miracles. It produced faith. The disciples there believed on him. What an incredible miracle. John 4, verse 46 and 
to 54. <clears throat> we have him healing the nobleman's son. Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman who, who was, whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. The nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down, ere my child die. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. The man believed the word that Jesus had spoken him, and went his way, and as he was now going down, his servants met him, and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. They said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew it was at the same hour in the which Jesus saith unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed in his whole house. This again is the second miracle Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. All right. John 5, verse 1 to 18. Christ heals a man that can't walk. After this there was a feast of the Jews. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he'd been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Lord didn't need an angel to trouble water, did he? He just tells him to rise up and walk. And the man got up and walked. John 6 now, 1 to 14. John 6, 1 to 14. We'll see him multiply food here and feed thousands. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread? that these may eat. And this he said to prove him, for himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. 
One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed it to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down. And likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto the disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. What an incredible miracle that is, isn't it? To multiply food and feed that many. John 6, John records this miracle, verse 15 to 21. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. And when he evening was come, Jesus went down under the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark and Jesus was... I'm, I'm sorry, his disciples went down under the sea, entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. It was now dark and Jesus was, was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea, drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. What an incredible miracle that is. I've often said I'd like to see some of these fellows walk across a mud puddle. The Lord walked on a raging sea. And we'll read later where he calmed the winds and the waves on an occasion. Imagine walking on the water here. John 9, verse 1 to 41. This is him opening the eyes of a man born blind. And it's a pretty lengthy reading, but there's a conversation takes place here between the man and the Jews uh, and some facts about it that are, are probably worthy of our time to read it. The Bible says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth, now, by the way, this man will be over 40 years old. He's been blind a long time, born that way. His disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither had this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Think about that. This man suffered blindness over 40 years. Why? not because of sin on his part or the parents, so that the Lord could come along during his time here on earth and open his eyes. 
the man was better off being blind, folks, over 40 years and having his eyes opened by Jesus because he got more than his eyes open. He came to faith in Christ and his soul was saved. His blindness was worth the salvation that he would receive from all of this. And so Jesus says he's, he's this way so that the works of God should be made manifest in him. That tells us that sometimes we're, we're better off in a worse condition if it leads us to salvation than we are when everything's favorable with us. Verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation, sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. <clears throat> the neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is this not he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind, and it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was division among them. They say unto the blind man, What sayest thou of him that he hath opened thine eyes? He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son? whom you say was born blind. How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age. Ask him, he shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was the Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, He is of age, ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind, and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. 
We know that God spake unto Moses, as for this fellow, we know not whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvelous thing, that you know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They heard that they had cast that, that he they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Jesus saith unto him, Now listen, thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. I'm him. He asked him, Who is the Son of God that I may believe on him? Jesus said, You're talking to him. You've talked to him. I'm him. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these things, and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say, We, we see Therefore your sin remaineth. What an incredible miracle. Got one other here I want to read for us, and that's the resurrection of Lazarus at Bethany. John 11, 1-45. A certain man named Lazarus of Bethany the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So if we remember that story of the woman crying and wiping, washing Jesus' feet with her hair, this is that Mary there. This is her brother, Lazarus. He's sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples saying to him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and thou goest thither again. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things saith he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Albeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he'd spoken of taking a rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, 
unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go now that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he'd lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met her. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoso liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called her Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house, and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he staketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God? Then took away the stone, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. Jesus lift up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hearest me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound head and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, them, loose him, and let him go. Then many of the Jews came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did and believed on him.
And that's the whole purpose. Now these are all of John's signs that John wrote. John said many other signs. Let's read John 20 there, 30, 31. Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So John wrote these to produce in us faith. And they're absolutely incredible miracles of them. Now there are many others that Jesus did, and I showed you that page, I believe it was page 16, this chart there earlier, that has a list of all those miracles on it. And we've looked at just the top ones up there, and some of these others that remained are duplicated by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John doesn't record any of these others, not a one. But there are many other that he didn't write in his book. And this is what he's referring to. And very likely there are miracles Jesus did we don't even have record of. There probably were so many, they just didn't, the Holy Spirit didn't have them all recorded. And uh, yet we have several of them left. And we'll look at some of these as we pursue the series. Uh, probably again, maybe next month or whenever we teach next. But I hope this is informative to us and faith building and encouraging and that we see the real difference between somebody like Jesus that could actually do these miracles and these folks today that only claim to have this power who boast about it who boast about how God is giving all this power to them and to everybody around who shame us because we refuse to accept that they have power like that ridicule us and accuse us of being blind with scales over our eyes when the truth is they can't duplicate miracles like this and they know it. And if they would sit back and reflect more honestly about what they're reading here in Scripture, they'd understand, I don't have anything like this. And there's a reason why men don't today, and that's because these miracles were never to continue. That is, the gifts were never be to be continued to be given unto the church. They are not needed when the New Testament was completed. But the ones that we have in the Scripture are there for all time recorded to produce faith in Jesus Christ, and that's the purpose of them. And we don't need a miracle today to believe in Christ. All we have to do is look at the miracles He and the apostles did that confirm this Word to be the Word of God, and we'll come to faith in Christ off of those. And if we needed such powers today, God would grant it. He would give it to the church. But he knew when the New Testament was finally completed, we didn't need special revelations of his word and things like this and miracles to confirm that they were revelations. That we didn't need those because we have the word written down, which is really a whole lot better than they had it. The early Christians got the Word of God in pieces, piece by piece in the assemblies of the, of the saints. These revelations were delivered to the prophets. Part by part, they were given to the apostles and prophets who wrote them down for us. But you and I have the complete, we have the perfect, the fully revealed Word of God. And so we've got the whole thing, whereas they didn't. 
And we've got a much greater blessing without the miracles, but having this book than they had with the miracles and partial revelation because we have it all now. Sufficient to prove to anyone that Jesus is the Christ. I leave you now with those thoughts and we'll offer invitation to someone who might need to come and, and make a response. We'll sing the first and last verse of the song that's been selected. I invite you to come as we sing. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.